Creative Studio, Semester 3, Session 7, talking about website and media hosting. Welcome to the Creative Studio Academy. This is the podcast to help you learn and explore how you can start and improve your skills with online content creation. My name is Joshua Rivers, and I will be your guide on this journey. Well, I'm definitely excited to be able to come back today and be able to share this episode with you regarding uh, another aspect of podcasting. And so we're going to talk about some media hosting specifically. And so, but we're going to contrast real quick the difference between web hosting and media hosting as well. And so we have with us today, Rob Walsh from List, uh, Lipson, uh, which is a media host that I highly recommend. And so, it, and uh, we'll get into the details as to why you want to use a media host as opposed to just a um, website host for what you're doing. If you want to get a uh, the guide that I put together regarding websites and in there it has some more information about media hosts, you can go to academygift.com and you can be able to sign up for the newsletter where you will get that guide automatically when you sign up. Is The difference between website hosting and media hosting is that website hosting is not um, designed for um, for the particulars of streaming audio when when you're doing that. And so the, the website has to be configured a certain way. The server for the website has to be configured a certain way to be able to do that. And um, most website hosts are not set up that way to be able to do that, uh, at least not easily. And so now you can be able to have some audio, you can have some video, um, but if there's anything of significance... Um, it's going to put an extra burden on your server, and that can negatively affect you um, with in regards to your host. And so you don't want to do that. And so um, Rob Walsh uh, will be talking some more about media hosts as we get into the interview with him. But with website hosting, the host that I recommend, um, and so I know there are several good ones out there. The one that I've used and I can recommend because it's the one that I'm using is Bluehost. And so you can go to creativestudio.academy slash Bluehost. And that is my affiliate link to be able to go to that site there. We can be able to check out the uh, things that they have. And so they have um, some regular shared hosting, which is uh, where there's one server and there's multiple websites that are hosted on that one server. And so it's the cheapest way to be able to go, uh, but it has the most restrictions um, as far as how much traffic you can be able to get. And if uh, one of the websites, whether yours or someone else, starts to get really popular and busy it can take away from the um, the bandwidth that you have available for your website. And so, so you want to be careful about that. But again, that's where a lot of people have to start because of uh, finances. And so the next one up would be the virtual private server. And so that is, um, that is where you're able to have a, a higher portion 
of um, of that. So the limitations are not nearly as bad. And so you can be able to get some higher traffic to your website and it can not affect you nearly as much as with shared hosting. And so, of course, the price goes up with that as well. There's some other additional benefits uh, with that, uh, but we're not going to go into the details of it right now. Uh, the next level up is uh, dedicated hosting. And so, and the dedicating hosting is where you have that server completely to yourself. You're not sharing it with anybody else. And so uh, you have the, the highest possibility for uh, growth in that kind of setting. And so if you have a high traffic website, uh, then you will want to look into having a dedicated server so that you can be able to make sure that your website is not going to crash or anything like that during the process. And so uh, that's just a real quick overview. And so I know we've covered um, website hosting uh, in previous episodes, and I'll try to have links to that in the show notes. Um, And then again, also, I do have that website guide that if you go to academygift.com and be able to, you can uh, sign up for the newsletter, which will um, automatically get you that guide. And that can help you be able to um, understand uh, hopefully the website hosting a little bit more and uh, give you some information on how you can be able to um, do that and you can be able to get things set up with your website as well if that is something that you're still needing to get taken care of. And so uh, kind of goes step by step, having seven steps of things you can be able to do to be able to set your website up. With that, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the interview with Rob Walsh. And so as we start the interview, he starts by kind of telling us his history of uh, how he got into podcasting um, and so he's been podcasting since the uh, beginning, basically. And so uh, so he starts telling us about his journey into that and how he's grown into that. And so uh, here is Rob to be able to tell his story. Well, it was a lot, lot different back then because that was 2004, late 2004 when I started getting into podcasting. And it was October beginning of October 2004, I said, I'm going to be a podcaster. And uh, at that time, I was like, well, I'll just go find a site that will teach me how to do this. Wrong. There were none at the time. So that was part of the um, inspiration behind Podcast 411. My podcast and site was to teach people how to podcast. So that was what I got into doing early on and interviewing the other podcasters to find out how they did their podcast and their art and, and technology so it was that was the early part of my uh, career in podcasting with Podcast 411. I used to do that two, three times a week, interview different podcasters, and that started late 2004. And it was fun. But back then, to podcast, you really, really, really wanted to have to podcast because there was no easy way to do it. It wasn't, you know, Libsyn was just, uh, when I first started looking at it, Libsyn hadn't even launched yet. Libsyn didn't launch until uh, a couple of months later. Uh, they launched, well, in November, I guess a month later, November 2004. Um, but now it really isn't that difficult to podcast. And, and more importantly, it's really easy to consume podcasts. I think that's the biggest difference of, of all um, over the last 10 years. Back then, if you wanted to to listen to a podcast, you had to download a program called iPod or X onto your Mac, and then you had to sync up the podcasts from iPod or X into iTunes and then sync your iPod to your iTunes before you left in the morning to go to work. And you had to remember to do that every day. It, it, was, it wasn't 
an easy task. But um, today, you know, smartphones, smartphone apps really change a lot. But uh, podcasting itself, if you want to podcast, it really is a matter of create an audio file, get an account with Libsyn, upload the file, add your title, description, hit publish, and you're done. And that's it. Manages the RSS feed, manages the media files. It, it really is pretty easy. I, I even have a podcast now. Uh, podcast is called KC Startup 411. It's one of my new ones. And I create the whole podcast on my iPhone. I do it live at 1 million cups on Wednesday mornings. I do the interview with the person. We, we do an interview. We start around 8, 8.15 in the morning. By 9 a.m., that episode is up and live on my Libsyn account without me doing anything with the computer. I do it all from the iPhone. That's cool. Yeah, I've uh, I started listening to podcasts in 2012 and started podcasting in 2013. And uh, even just that time, I've seen a lot of uh, changes happen um, in the sphere, especially with listening. And so with the podcast app uh, coming out on iOS devices and then becoming native, uh, it's where you can't delete it. And yeah, a lot of great changes and uh, they're adapting and making the uh, interface uh, a lot nicer, the, uh, the user interface. And yeah, it's just been a, a lot of great change changes that have uh, come about with that. So what are uh, some of the things that you see pot or the direction that you see podcasting going? Um, and so some of the big, big things that you can see. Well, where it's going a lot, you have to look at where it's, where it's come from now, where, how it's gotten here. And, and it really is the future is about the mobile device. And on Libsyn last year, we had over 63% of all our downloads were directly to mobile devices. A couple of years ago, that was 43%. And then before, a couple of years before that, it was in the 30s and 20s. So the iPhone, when the iPhone launched in 2007, that really was the, you know, the, the big turning point for podcasting because it was the ushered in the smartphone era. And smartphones are what make podcasting, you know, what's making it take off. Now, unlike what a lot of people think, Podcasting has never been down. Uh, the media keeps saying resurgence here, resurgence there, you know, podcasting's back, which is funny because I found an article from February 14th, 2007 that talked about podcasting resurgence. You know, I, so people have been talking about podcasting coming back all the time, which is really media uh, hype. Uh, but podcasting has been steadily growing, and a lot of that has been because of smartphone apps have been or smartphones have been steadily growing in adoption. And and now, where we've almost reached, I, th I think the equilibrium where about sixty five to seventy percent of downloads will be directly to mobile devices going forward. And you're always going to have a certain percentage of people listening on computers. Uh, but people like to say, you know, where's the future going? They keep talking about the connected car. The connected car isn't going to really change the consumption all that much. People already are you are listening with their smartphones. It'll make it a little easier that they don't have to have their headphones in. They can just when they get in the car, their smartphone syncs up and it makes it easier for them to listen on the speakers in their car rather than their earbuds. So maybe there'll be a little bit more listening um, from that perspective, but I don't think you're going to see a, a big uptick because of the connected car like you saw in the last few years because of smartphones. Yeah, I think the biggest deal with uh, being in the cars is that just awareness for people that may not have uh, really been known anything about podcasting, and and so they they're getting the vehicles, and it's like, hey, oh, this is part of it. What's that? And I think that's probably gonna be the biggest part with the uh, 
coming in the cars. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people aren't going to be paying those extra data plans for their cars. I think that it, most of the connected car at the end of the day is going to be where it, it syncs up CarPlay with if you have an iPhone or Google Android's clone of CarPlay, whatever it's called. Um, you know that that's really what it comes down to. And I, I think if we see an uptick in the future, it'll be because maybe Google gets off their butt and actually becomes a podcaster's friend. And helps out. I mean, because Google is not a podcaster's friend. They don't care about podcasting. They've never done a single thing to help podcasting ever. Um, so you know, when when I when I look at what's going to ever push the needle, maybe in podcasting, it's it's Google getting behind it. But until then, uh, it's really still a eight hundred pound gorilla for podcasting is Apple, and two thirds of podcast consumption is still through Apple devices or Apple software. All right, so you work with Libsyn, and so you know a lot about uh, media hosting and the importance of that. So can you kind of explain a little bit the difference between uh, website hosting and media hosting and why we need to look at media hosting when it comes to podcasting? Sure. First thing to remember is iTunes doesn't host media files. So a lot of times people will think that if they create their podcast, then iTunes is the files are going to get hosted over on iTunes, and that's where all the bandwidth is going to come from. Uh, iTunes doesn't host a single podcast. So first and foremost, you need to get a media host, a place to host your media files, a third party that supports byte range requests and can support an iTunes compliant RSS feed. Uh, oh, and, and you have to have a place that's hosting the uh, image that supports head requests that Apple has some certain specs. So that's the first thing. And, and why you want to go with a media host versus, say, a Bluehost or some other host gator or some other places, a lot of those media hosts have very tight limits on bandwidth usage. So uh, and and they might they may say oh you have unlimited bandwidth and then you read the fine print and it's a, the fine print it says see but there is a CPU usage limit and guess what podcast downloads cost a lot of CPU usage so if your podcast gets popular and this happens quite often your website can get shut down we get the email at least once a week hey my website just got shut down I need to move my podcast over to you can you help people are frantic. The idea behind your podcast is to help grow your brand, not shut your brand down. So you want to get your media files, and not just your media files, but your RSS feed over to a media host. You do not want to host your RSS feed on your website, just like you don't want to host your media files on your website. Get them away. Don't make them slow down. You know, don't let them slow down your site or shut your site down. And we've had people whose website have been shut down just because of the excessive amount of bandwidth and CPU usage from their RSS feed. And your RSS feed actually can be pretty big size. And mine is like almost two meg in file size. And if you're getting your files getting hit every day, seven, ten times a day per subscriber, you can actually have a lot more bandwidth usage from your RSS feed than you get from your media files. So you want to get both of them over there. Don't manage your RSS feed on WordPress. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably something I need to uh, look at switching over. It's it's a mistake a lot of people make. I mean, even Dave Jackson had his website shut down because of his RSS feed, and you know, and he's changed it. But yeah, I mean, the whole reason you want to go with a third party like Libsyn, one, we support the byte range requests, we make sure all, we cover all your bandwidth usage, and our RSS feed is compliant. If you actually go into iTunes, you know, people will say, oh, a lot of people use WordPress for their feed. Not any real big shows. Go into iTunes and look at the top 200 shows in iTunes, and what you'll see is 
almost none of them are using their RSS feed that's managed on WordPress. You know, big shows like Joe Rogan and uh, uh, WTF with Mark Marin, uh, all the NFL podcasts—they're all using their Libsyn feed. So, and, and the reason why is because we can handle the traffic. We can handle the, the, all the hits your feed's going to get, and, and they don't want their website shut down. So, good idea to move your RSS feed off of WordPress if you're using a WordPress managed feed. Yeah, the and the cost for Libsyn is very reasonable as well. And so I, I've been using you guys for, um, since I started podcasting, um, like I said, I haven't done my RSS feed, so I'll have to look at switching that over, um, and being able to get that incorporated. Um, now how, how does that work? I, on my lips and I have, um, several different podcasts that are, are on there. Is, is, is that an issue if someone tries to use the lips and feed? Each account supports one RSS feed, so you need to have multiple accounts, one for each feed. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the right way, the best way to use Libsyn is one show per account, and you want to publish to the Libsyn feed, even if you're not using our feed, if you're hand coding your feed and doing something else crazy, um, or using WordPress, you still want to publish. I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I see podcasters making is they they upload the file and they choose for download only. Bad idea. That's one of the worst mistakes I see podcasters make is some tutorials that recommend that bad idea. You never want to select for download only unless you only want it for download and you don't want that publicized out to the world. Because once you select the download only, your show doesn't show up in the Libsyn directory. So now you're not in the Libsyn directory. Libsyn directory feeds a few different applications out there. So you're hurting yourself as far as discoverability. So always make sure you publish them. Plus a lot of the Libsyn tools help you as far as publishing to different destinations and there'll be some destinations coming up here shortly that we'll be talking about in in the near future and maybe some at NetMX, some after uh, that you'll definitely want to have one account, one show and using destinations which means publishing inside Libsyn Yeah, that was a mistake I made um, early on for, for a little while and so I, I think it was Dave Jackson that um, that helped me be able to understand uh, why I should um, publish it as an episode as opposed to um, doing that. So, yeah, very good. Very good. Um, now, is there anything else that you think that um, a new podcaster should be aware of, whether it's relating to um, media hosting or uh, just something else that you have uh, noticed in your position? Yeah, a couple of common mistakes that people make while they don't get into iTunes or are trying to get into iTunes. One, you have to get your artwork now exactly to Apple specs. Uh, Apple keeps changing the specs on the artwork. Currently, as of you know March 2015, the specs are 1,400 by 1,400 pixels, JPEG or PNG file, RGB color, and less than 500 kilobytes in file size. Apple kind of says right now the specs are between 1400 and 1400 and 2048 by 2048, but I've seen shows get rejected at 1500 by 1500. So just go 1400 by 1400 for your artwork. Have that exact spec. Make sure your file size is less than 500 kilobytes, and you will get your show in. Um, another thing I see podcasters do that gets their shows kicked out of iTunes is yes, you 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 maybe have explicit content and you're dropping F-bombs in your show. Apple doesn't care about that as long as you have the explicit tag turned on. You say, yes, the show is explicit. You drop an F-bomb or any other profanity in your show, 
and you don't have an explicit tag turned on, your show will get kicked out of iTunes. Um, now, the explicit tag on does not mean you can have profanity in your title or your description or even any of the descriptions of any of your episodes. So if you write out an F-bomb or any profanity in your show description or show title or episode description, episode titles, your, there's a bot in iTunes now and it goes through and it finds profanity in any of the metadata. It will kick your show out even if you had the explicit tag turned on. So that's another one I've seen recently. Um, Apple's been more, or the bot's been more active in kicking podcasts out of iTunes. And then I think the other thing that'll get you kicked out of iTunes is having an image of some Apple product in your artwork. Apple doesn't like their products in there, and they don't like uh, the logos from any Major League Baseball teams. Well, actually, Apple doesn't care. Major League Baseball cares. So don't put in the logos from any professional sports teams in your artwork for your show. Um, not Apple's fault there. Apple's hand was forced by Major League Baseball last year, and that got a bunch of shows kicked out. So those are some common, common things we see for getting podcasts kicked out. The other one, obviously, is music. You can't have, I think this is a big misconception. People think, oh, I can have less than 30 seconds of a song. It's fair use. There is no such thing as fair use when it comes to music and podcasts, unless you're doing some sort of critique of the social implications of the lyrics in a song and you try to use it and there's really strange rules on that but if you're just putting in some music for some bed music or anything like that it has to be pod safe music which means no riaa music which means no major label records so uh, you can't have any of the big music in your podcast it's a podcast is a download legally a downloads a mechanical copy and there's all kinds of rules and, and there's no there is no licenses that cover podcasts for music yeah there's definitely a lot of legal things that you have to consider but uh even with that i mean there's still a lot of options um out there for people to be able to um use uh when you're looking at both music and artwork uh to be able to get that taken care of yeah, i think pond5.com has um pond5.com slash free you can see some of their free create um public domain uh, music and it's older music and artwork that you can use. Uh, so that's a good resource. Uh, CC Mixter, ccmixter.org. So that's M-I-X-T-E-R, ccmixter.org is a good place to find some bed music. And there, there's other places. Um, Magnatune is a place. It's pod safe music. So there are some, but um, don't expect to have, you know, Anything from the YMCA, you know, or YMCA from the, you know, or any major song that you're used to, up on your podcast, it's not going to happen. Not for long, at least. Once Apple hears about it, your show gets rejected. Yeah, I know. Um, Dan Miller, um, he got uh, got permission to use a clip uh, from a song, but it took almost a year, I believe, for him going back and forth with. Uh, with the owners of the rights uh, going back and forth, trying to be able to solidify that. And then he, then he's paying a, a yearly fee for that. So yeah, it takes a lot of work uh, to be able to do that. So, um, so yeah, I gotta be very careful with, with messing with that. Very good. Um, yeah. So I definitely appreciate you taking the time to uh, be with us and be able to share uh, your insights, uh, especially from your perspective uh, behind the scenes that lips in there. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to close with and maybe let people know how they can get a hold of you? 
Well, then get a hold of me, Rob, R-O-B, at Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Uh, we'll be at the New Media Expo, so if any, any of any is there, come by our booth, say hi. And, and one thing I would recommend, you know, if you haven't done it yet as a podcaster, is look at getting a smartphone app for your show. If you don't do it through Libsyn, do it through someone else, because having your own standalone smartphone app is huge. Uh, 76% of people that listen to podcasts based on the, the latest Edison survey that came out this week, 76% of podcast listeners listen to five or fewer podcasts. That's it. So having your own smartphone app is really important because a lot of these people that are listening to podcasts don't listen to much. And the ratio iOS to Android downloads is like 5.4 to 1 for iOS versus Android. Android is a wasteland for podcasts, and the only way to natively get discovered as a, a podcaster on Android is to have your own smartphone app for your show. So something to consider if you're really looking at growing your show, you want to grow your audience, and you want to get any penetration on the Android side, definitely get as minimum an Android smartphone app, and I recommend getting you know an iOS and an Android. 